throwing jabs, always full send. Here we go again. Jared, Joe, and Jay's Clover Crest, top three corner man, punching in with a puncher's chance. We find a way to win. The main event, locked it in every Saturday at 10. The overhand is out of hand when it comes to fist of cuffs. Slide a hand on the undercard, you'll never see the punch. Uppercut, got you missing wave, feet a stepping late. Keep your guard up, feeling faint from a faint. Take a stand in eight, then retaliate. Put up your duke, stick and move, bob and wave. Don't lose hope against the ropes, there's always an escape. Never stay down. One more round, bells ringing, counter punch with your chin tucked and go down swinging. We bringing crosses with no worship, hooks with no verses, combinations with no locks. When you feel the flurry, it's curtains from scrub scraps to fight stats. Relax if you want the facts, cause the best combat podcast is throwing jabs. Welcome to Throwing Jabs, part of the CMG Sports Network. I'm Joe McGuire. He is Jared Jones. Jace Garcia is on assignment this week. And uh, we're going to miss Jace. Uh, obviously, this this fight uh, last Saturday night, Charlo and Castano, no one walked away with the unified junior middleweight champion is Jermel Charlo and Brian Castano had a uh, split draw 114 114 114 to 113 for Castano and clearly for the guy who had money on Charlo 117 111 Charlo Nelson Vasquez if you're Yeah <laughs> is that who it was um you know, look, I, I said it right after the preview. I said, don't sleep on Castano. You took it a step further. You said, I think Castano's going to win. And Jace went along with you. Um, we all had a really bad feeling about this. Charlo is lucky to be alive today as far as his career is concerned. Oh, yeah. No, I agree. This was uh, – I, I can't I can't with this last scorecard. And to be fair, this guy's judged – 961 fights or something and never been involved in a controversy and in a sport like in a in a realm of boxing judges uh that's pretty good stats like this if somebody's gonna do this and then defend it this is one of the guys i would pick um the problem is i would have been happier with a 117 111 castano card yeah. I felt like even the uh, 114-113 was a little closer than it should be. And when we were walking into that, I thought, and everything else I said, takes too much of a lead in the early rounds for Charlo to come back from, ends up eking out a, a decision. I When we got to the end, when the final bell rang, I said that was everything I said it would be. I was 100% correct about everything. And and the final score is 116-112, 115-113. And if I really squeeze it 114-114, I could see a draw. I'm not going to jump on somebody for a draw. But I gave the rounds I thought were close to Charlo, which is a habit of mine. If I if I have a if I have a, a dog in the fight and it's a close close round, I give it to the other guy. I say that's close, and I don't want to be skeptical at the end when I have it 10 to 2 and somebody else has it 6 apiece. So I give the close ones to Charlo and still just barely could come up with a draw. Um, the idea that you were watching the fight closer than I was, he said yesterday, actually came out, Vasquez came out and defended this scorecard. 
and said that he was watching the fight more closely, pointed to his track record and said one guy can see an assault one way and another guy sees it a completely different way. And when you're watching that many of them and there's that many close rounds, I mean, to be fair, I was two rounds away from the guy sitting right next to me in a really close fight. But I'll go back to the Jose Ramirez and. Um, oh, my goodness. Uh, my lefty guy out of. Uh, oh, my God. Josh Taylor. Whoa. Sorry, I was out in the pool with the kids all morning. My brain's a little <laughs> fried. Talk about all um, brothers. We got it. You know, again, you, you look at a fight like that, 115-113, one, one one and, and t Josh Taylor beat Ramirez's brains in, I thought. And and okay, it was a tight, it was a tight score. You factor in the 10-8. Um 117, 111 for Charlo. Maybe I maybe I don't know anything about boxing then. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe everything I thought I knew, I guess I'm wrong. And uh your guys got it right there because I, I didn't I, I, there's no way I, I, there's no way I, I don't, there's the, not, a, it's an impossibility that it's 117, 111 Charlo. It infuriates me because you're watching a fight at the end of the day, we're watching a fight. So I like to think who would I have rather been at the end of that round, the guy getting mauled and fighting the guy off with jabs or the guy pummeling his opponent. I'll take, I'll take the pummeler and not the pummelee. And that's what these two were for most of those rounds. And you see it happen a lot in MMA. Guys are feeling each other out. They spend too long feeling each other out. First round, ah, real close. Give it to this guy. Give it to Blue Corner. Second round, same thing. Feeling each other out, ah, real close. Give it to Blue Corner. Third round, minute and a half in. Red Corner clips him on the ground, whooping his ass. It's a fight. That guy won. 29-28, Blue Corner. That doesn't make sense to me because they had a fight. I saw the fight. And that guy won the fight. But that's conventional scoring for you. You're going to have these arguments. That's what you're going to get. I, I've was, told... Was, that said, this was tragic. I said Castano months ago. When they signed this fight, I came on throwing jabs and said that Castano was going to beat Charlo. And I think he did. And if you ran with me for puncher's chance last week, man, you had an interest in that fight going in, didn't you? Ah, they robbed us. <laughs> they robbed us. <laughs> Nelson Vasquez. <laughs> Let me say this about Nelson Vasquez and his track record. And I know I've told you this story before. I feel like it's worth sharing here on the show. Uh, I was at a home inspection at the home. The seller was an electrician. 30 years, it said, experience on his van. And uh, the home inspector was looking at the panel. And he said, this is grounded improperly. This whole thing is wired backwards. And I said, the homeowner is an electrician. Been one for 30 years. And the guy looked at me and he went, not a very good one. So uh, Vasquez might have had an off night. I, I mean, again, I'll, I'll, I'll have to look up his track record to really know if there's ever been anything else I find suspect. But. Well, this is I interesting. Also... Again, this this makes me think. Then I feel like you're you're telling you don't you don't understand boxing. I saw what I saw. One seventeen, one eleven. You guys are dummies. Yeah, I don't like that. I don't like that. You and what does it say about the guys that were sitting next to him, keeping the same score? Well, and a lot of guys. What were they looking at? I bet a lot of guys 
had a lot of good track records doing a lot of things before they turned 70. So that's also <laughs> something we might want to look at. Time to Nelson to be hitting the old dusty trail. <laughs> oh, you know what I'm saying? You're sitting there and you're watching the fight and you're like, this Charlo is good. Charlo's the other guy. Oh, oh, all right. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Well, yeah, 117, 111. The headline that came out the next day, uh, I can't remember whose it was, but one of the major media um, sites headline was uh, Castano Charlo was was a great fight. It's a shame Nelson Vasquez missed it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what he was looking at at the time. Hey, and I have to be perfectly honest. Full disclosure. Yeah. My daughter and my wife, huge Misha Tate fans. I didn't get to see all of this fight. There were a call. Oh, I know. I know. I know. At the end of the day, um, I'm okay with that. I'm, you know, if, if my wife and daughter are, are Misha Tate fans, then I've done something right. Yes, sir. And, um, yes, you have. And I'm okay with flipping back and forth, but I was reading the, the round by round results on three different sites I'm following the scoring and the compu box. And when you tell me that round, when I saw three and five and you tell me four was more of the same, I I'm taking all of those people's word for it. The announcers, the round by rounds, the special, the scoring, the fans that everybody, but Nelson Vasquez. And here's the thing about 114, 114 and 114, 113. I'm okay with those cards. I'm not trying to get to those judges. I talked to a lot of people about boxing. Have you spoken to one non-Nelson Vasquez person who thinks that Charlo won this fight outright? No. I have not heard a single person say, I think Charlo won. I've heard a couple of maybe draws. Most people are kind of where I am. 116, 112, something between that and maybe Jared, Jared, I'll be honest. If if I would have heard 114, 113 for Charlo, I'd have been like, what? Yeah. Okay. All right. I mean, even that would have been like, well, you know, you were texting it, me. Yeah. You were texting me at the beginning of that. And, um, you know, uh, we, I think the way we were scoring it, it was, it was over kind of early as far as rounds. I mean, about midway, it was, he was in trouble. Five and to he one. was going to need a finish. Charlo, the, the second round was close. If you give Charlo the close one, it's five to one. It's too big a lead. Yep, Charlo yep. knocked off a couple of those rounds. I did have him win in a few rounds, but three, four, five, maybe. If you're watching it for Charlo, six, but eight, nine, get, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so regardless, fight was a banger for sure. Possible fight of the year contender. So the question this week for who you got, what would be your MMA and your boxing fight of the year so far? You go. I'll go first. Um, my my, I'm going to start with boxing because I want to save my MMA one for when I rub it in your face. But um, I would say my boxing fight of the year. Uh, <laughs> hilarious. Uh, 
Ramon Chocolito Gonzalez and uh, Juan Francisco Estrada, too, uh, to me, was the banger of the year. I'll throw an honorable mention out to Jamal Herring's uh, win over Carl Frampton uh, for the junior lightweight title. That one, that one even meant more to me uh, watching that fight. So those are those are my two boxing fights of the year. My MMA fight of the year has to be Max Holloway versus Calvin Qatar, which we watched at your house. Uh-huh. And that was where Max Holloway beat the living bejesus out of Calvin Qatar and proved, I think, that he's got the best hands in MMA. And all these guys that are want to be boxers, if anybody could go knock out a Paul brother quick, Max Holloway's your man. And my honorable mention for MMA fight of the year, and one that you know I got pretty wild about, was Dominic Reyes and my man, uh, Yuri Prohaska. And that backward elbow definitely got to be uh, got to be up there. Uh, I got the same fight in MMA. Yeah, that okay. was hot. Yeah, yeah. I'm a fan, but I'm not blind either. That was that that's definitely going to be on the short list at the end of the year. And uh, Glant and Apochi. There was a boxing match. I picked Apochi on it's the it's the time that I've lost a puncher's chance. That there's uh there's one time we actually took a loss with money, and it was this fight, and he fought a uh, an ex football player that just straightforward. I'm gonna take all your punches. You can be a better boxer. Uh, volume and they split all the rounds. It was a really close fight. I thought Apoji won. Uh, ended up with an upset. Brandon Glanton was the uh, ex football player's name. Great, great fight. If you hadn't had a chance, uh, and there was one I couldn't find. I actually was scrolling through our text messages because I had sent you texts like, "Hey, turn this fight on." This is and had said yes. it was going to be a candidate, but it was such like a. Uh, Back of the line undercard type fight that it didn't end. It was an upset pick too. Jeez, Ted Cheeseman is the guy's name. Just came to me now. Ted Cheeseman. I'll tell him. Tell you who he fought in the in a second. But we have the same MMA fight. All right, I like that. Um, and that MMA fight, boy. Uh, my goodness, with James with- Metcalf. James Metcalf. Undefeated James Metcalf in 11 rounds of fire. Ted Cheeseman, James Metcalf. That's my boxing fight of the year so far. I love it. All right. Well, that's going to do it for the ring. We're going to hit the octagon in a moment. But first, a quick message from our our friends. uh, Stir the pot. The Seattle management is going to give you their time of day. What makes you think that Jerry Jones is going to listen to you? Sometimes they're blowing teams out by 10. Come on now. When they're on, they're on. Again, I'm going to need you to write LeBron a letter, send it to him, and say, Bron, I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to hop off your bandwagon. Don't do that. The only other guys I'll, I'll listen to talk MMA. Is the guys from Stir the Pot. Oh, That's yeah. it. Even when they Nobody don't know else. what the hell they're talking about, they're fun to listen to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
so let's talk about the the uh Mahakiv and Moises fight. Uh Islam just looked great out there, dominating, submitted Thiago in the fourth round with a, a rear naked choke, uh, which was something that we sort of suspected was gonna happen. I mean, dude, this guy what kind is... of sport gurus? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, listen, I mean, not for nothing, but right, I mean if if you're paying attention a little bit even and you, and you're thinking about this to me the whole the whole thing jared is you got to throw your feelings out for guys you got to throw your feelings out you got to look at these things objectively right and just be like all right what's really going to happen which is why i'm very excited for the uh sanhagen dillashaw preview we'll be doing uh in just a couple of minutes here but um who do you think Mahakev gets next? What would you like to see? I've got I've got a whole bunch of names here, but but there's some guys I'm I'm down with more than others. Do, let me ask you this: Do you think Dos Anjos should be next? They were supposed to fight. That one didn't happen. Or do you think Mahakev is ready to go a little bit uh, a little higher up the list? Higher up the list. All right. So how about this one, Jared? Let me bounce this guy off you because this is a fight that did not also ever happen. Was the Khabib Nurmagomedov and Tony Ferguson fight? Islam says he would love to finish that bad boy off. Is Tony Ferguson a worthwhile candidate or do we go higher? No, we go higher. You go higher. All right. Well, on the broadcast, he actually called out Michael Chandler, who was in studio. I'll take that. Would you think Michael Chandler, who obviously just just lost uh, to Charles Oliveira uh, in in the uh, interim title fight, um, you think Chandler could be the guy? Would you like to see that one? And who yeah. would win that fight? Makhachev. No Mark. doubt about it. Yeah. Makhachev. Wipes the floor with Chandler. him. Um. He may have to take some shots, but he's the better fighter, the tougher guy, and he wins that. The only ma I I don't want to see him fight anything below Ferguson, Dos Anjos, Hooker, McGregor, Gillespie. No thanks. I want to see him go up Chandler, Gagey, Poirier, but not Dariush. I think that just makes for a boring fight if you're the matchmakers, unless you have to. Makashev and Dariush fight those other exciting guys. Oliveira, Poirier, Gagey, uh, Chandler. And I like any of those for Makashev. I think that uh, that he is a tougher matchup for Oliveira than anybody else on that list. I like it. And he only like he may it. only need one more win to get on that list. And hey, listen. Um, I'm just going to ask you that. Is he, one, is he one good win away from he's got to be fighting for the title after that, probably against Dustin Poirier? Chandler just got his shot, so he beats Chandler. The guy that just got his shot, why not? Why, 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 not the, why isn't he the next guy? And um, to be fair, like I think we all picked uh, Makashev, but nobody as dominantly as, as, I, as, I, as I predicted. And as he... In the end, was he never looked in trouble? He just dominated from from pillar to post, and yeah, he should be moving up. I like a title shot. I think this this in the, he's not Khabib, but his skill set is uh one that could be very very dominant in this weight class. 
He beats Chandler or Justin. Yeah. Okay. Down with that. I hate to say this because I love Gaethje. I think I think he would wipe the floor with Justin Gaethje. I really oh, do. Yeah. yeah. It's a t- that's that stylistically, he's just tough, such a tough matchup. He's not going to stand there and draw a line in the sand and trade with you. He's going to hit you with big shots and then maul you and kind of try to run you over and get you to a place where he's better than Gagey. See, that's the thing. There's, 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 my reach is almost 6'4". My height is almost 5'10". So when I reach out with my jab, 99 times out of 100, if I'm fighting somebody in my weight class, there is a pocket of space where I can touch them and they can't touch me. And if they spend the whole time in that pocket of space, they're just going to catch a lot of jabs and never get close enough to me to touch me. Um, That's one area where I have a distinct advantage. So when you're Makashev and there's several areas that you have a distinct advantage and all you really have to do is get to one of those areas. And if you're Gagey, trade, maybe. What is the distinct advantage he has in that fight? I just, I just too many other ways to win. Whereas Dariush has a certain way to win that he might be able to goad Makashev into that kind of fight. Makashev will not fight Gagey's fight. He might fight Dariush's with him, but he won't fight Gagey's. He won't fight Chandler's. He won't fight Poirier's, and he won't fight Oliveira's. And for that reason, and being better in those other areas, he can beat any of those guys. Um, on on the thought Riley had about Islam would make Justin retire. Uh, story worth repeating from the uh, Khabib and Gagey fight. Uh, you know it well. If anybody doesn't know it, uh, leading up to the fight, Justin insisted he wasn't going to tap. And um, when uh, Khabib was about to submit him, initially had him set up for the arm bar. Uh, but knowing Justin wouldn't tap, that he'd have to break Justin's arm, uh, switched it uh, into a choke and ended up uh, a triangle choke, right? Choked him out uh, just because he liked Justin Gaethje. Um, and thinking about, and by the way, Mahakev, as I call him, if you if you watch when he was fighting in Russia before he got to the MMA, that's actually how you pronounce it. That's the actual like Dagestani. Everybody was correcting me last week, and I do appreciate it, but that is actually how you would say it in Dagestani. Oh, Mahakev. We're we're, we're uh, <coughs> bless you. We're um we're Englishing that up, huh? Yes. Yeah, I you know it's funny because I when I started putting the video together at the beginning, that's all everybody kept calling him, especially like you know when when it was before he got to MMA, and then all of a sudden he was. I've always you know wondered that. Do you do that with pronunciations? Like, will you be talking in your regular and you're doing your announcing, and then your Hector Gonzalez? Like, yeah. do you do that? There's announcers that get the Rodriguez. Oh, I do that. Yeah. yeah. I want to pronounce it out what it is. Wanna... You know, even when I do it, if somebody's from Cuba, I mean, it's Cuba and Mexico. Huh. I, that's how I do it. Yeah. That's yeah, how I, I do don't it. most of the time, but I'm going to add that for you, Joe. I love it. I, the first time I heard it, I go, is that really how it's said? And then I heard it later on and I'm like, I don't want to say, oh, I like, I like it. Patriot Whiteout Flop, say his first name. Harry? 
Oh, uh, what's it? Yeah. What is it? N apostrophe. Yeah. N-A-L. How do you say that? In keel. In keel. It's the keel. Yeah. See, I didn't kill him. Yeah. Nikhil. Yeah. I don't like that name. <laughs> yeah. Nikhil. N keel. Nikhil. Nikhil Harry. Yeah. So Makhachev. I like it. That Isn't K- it nice? KH will get you. Mahesh. It really does. It rolls right off the back of the throat, Joe. <laughs> I, I, I love the way it sounds coming out of my mouth and everyone else, you know, Mahachev. And I'm like, eh, all right. Oh. Mahakiv. You can't say that. You're not gonna imagine Joe Rogan all night, like, oh, look at Mahakiv. You, you, you wouldn't want to listen to that. Yeah, Mahashev. You know. Something on the camera, and then we have to yeah, it all night. That little a lot of schmutz on here already now. <laughs> uh, or let's shift gears to the women's game. Got you already mentioned it right there. On the, yeah, uh, let's get that out of there. Uh, Misha Tate. Uh, I, I'll say this too uh, uh, about Marion Renault. Just, I, I mean, a, a warrior like she's always been. You know, she's obviously dropped a few on the way out. It was probably time to go a while ago. She wanted to go out with her son and her husband in her corner, which I thought was amazing. An absolutely great fight. Uh, Misha Tate looks like she's back and ready to challenge. Question, who do you think she should take on next? Um, I want someone well-rounded but not too explosive at her age. Um, Aldana doesn't fit that. Holm, uh, Randomina Nunes don't fit that. Um... Even Eubanks doesn't really fit that. I think it's got to be Juliana Pena or Aspen Ladd. Um, and I really see those as the two. If if I'm Tate's trainers now, you know, if I'm a fan, I'll take any of those fights. But those are, those are like the next fight for her, the winnable fights. And at her age, she's got to be moving up. And you'd want to do it with less risk. I feel like if Tate can still beat Pena, because they're very similar stylistically, if she can beat Pena, you know, she's got a lot more experience, a lot better background, her pedigree's better. Um, that that that'll give her an excuse to at least make the argument, you know, for a main event type fight. I was thinking Holly Holm. Winner gets the, the uh, shot at the belt. Too fast, too much. Yeah. Well, what do we learn from the winner? Pena and Tate, we learned something about the winner by who wins that fight. Holly Holm lands a head kick and rocks Misha Tate, or Misha Tate takes down Holmes, lands some elbows, and does basically what she did in this fight. What what have we really learned? Because I feel like if they fight ten times, it's five apiece. Their styles, you know, you don't I don't like it because that's too explosive. Something bad could happen to Tate. Pena, we're really going to get that measuring stick of, you know, you want the guy that's two and 70, but he's only been knocked out once for your guy on your way up, you know, so you can learn those things about him. Um, Yeah, that's not Holly Holm, too explosive. Pena be a really good measuring stick. Aspen Ladd, maybe, might be too much. But again, at Tate's age, we got to figure out exactly where. In her prime, she beats Pena, correct? And Pena, oh, yeah. And Pena's just about in her prime, correct? 
Oh, geez. She's too small. Yanjacek's too small, right? Oh, might be worth looking at, though. Look, my, my thought Jay is, too, look, I think... a straw weight. You're talking about a straw weight and a bantam weight. I think in the women's game, though, you know, I don't know how much time, how much tune-up time you generally get before you're fighting for a title, you know? Well, not in your 30s. Yeah, well, especially in your 30s. Yeah, you don't you don't tune up. She beat a really tough fighter. They both wanted to make a, their case that they should get another shot. Now you get a top five opponent, then you get your title shot. And I and who do you want? Who do you want uh, Nunes to fight? Shevchenko again? Yes, I do. Not my Unis. Uh, excuse me, home, randomine, lad, assuming she stays in her weight class, Pena. You'd rather see Nunes and Pena than Tate and Pena? No, I'd rather see Tate and all of these girls. Uh, Kunitskaya is, is the real deal. But I'd rather see any of these, Misha Tate, than, than any of the others really in that weight class. It's interesting. So give me a win that shows me that you're there. And then, yeah, you can have a title shot. Sure. You're probably the biggest draw on that list, too. Facts. All right. Well, there is a uh, there is a pretty big fight tonight. Let's get a look at uh, Tony's tale of the tape. Tonight, we have a bantamweight bout between former two-time UFC champion TJ Dillashaw and current number two contender Corey Sanhagen at UFC on ESPN 27. Let's break it down. Corey Sanhagen is 29 years old. He's 5'11 with a 70-inch reach and a record of 14-2 with six knockouts and three submissions. From Aurora, Colorado, Sanhagen played basketball growing up, but by 17 turned his attention to kickboxing, a sport in which he won the Colorado State Championship, the WKA North American Championship, and a WKA world title. After graduating from the University of Colorado Boulder, he made his MMA debut in May 2015 with a rear naked choke in round one. In February 2017, he made his debut in the Legacy Fighting Alliance promotion, dropping a unanimous decision to Jamal Emers. He bounced back later that year, scoring two first-round knockouts before making his UFC debut on January 27, 2018 with a second-round knockout of Austin Arnett. After an armbar submission of Mario Bautista, he had his first real test as a pro winning a close split decision over crafty veteran John Lineker. Four months later, he defeated the always dangerous Rafael Asuncao. However, a year later, with a title shot in sight, he was quickly pounced on and submitted via rear naked choke by future Bantamweight champion Aljamain Sterling. Five months later, he headlined his first UFC event, putting on a master class against Marlon Marias before stopping him in the second round with a stylish spinning wheel kick followed by ground and pound. On February 6, 2021, he took on former lightweight champion Frankie Edgar, knocking the future Hall of Famer out cold with a vicious flying knee 28 seconds into the first round. A dynamic and rangy striker, Sanhagen has one of the most fluid styles, effortlessly switching from orthodox to southpaw and using feints to set up his wide repertoire of strikes, which includes spinning kicks and flying knees. He also averages 6.85 strikes per minute while boasting a 59% strike defense. 
TJ Dillashaw is 35 years old. He's five foot six with a 67 inch reach and a record of 16 and four with eight knockouts and three submissions. From Sonora, California, Dillashaw took up wrestling in high school, finishing with a record of 170 and 33 before going on to wrestle for Cal State, where he was a three time NCAA qualifier and was ranked 10th in the nation at 133 pounds. After graduating from college, his former coach at UFC middleweight contender Mark Munoz encouraged him to take up MMA, and after a brief amateur career, he turned pro in 2010 with a unanimous decision over Zar Sklavos. He quickly went 4-0 before competing on the 14th season of The Ultimate Fighter, being selected to Michael Bisbing's team, and making it to the finale where he was stopped in the first round by John Dotson. He came back two months later with a decision over Wally Watson, and followed that with knockouts over Issei Tamora and Hugo Viana before losing via split decision to Rafael Asuncao. He came back with a brutal knockout of Renan Barraro for the UFC Bantamweight Championship and defended it twice with a head kick knockout of Joe Soto and another TKO over Barraro before losing his title via split decision to Dominic Cruz. After putting up solid wins over Rafael Sun, Kyle, and John Lineker, he survived a hard knockdown of the first round before coming back to drop Cody Garbrandt with a counter-right cross in the second to become a two-time Bantamweight champion. Ten months later, he defended his belt against Garbrandt, this time dropping him twice in the first before stopping him with a knee and a flurry of punches against the cage. On January 19, 2019, he challenged Henry Cicuto for the flyweight championship getting blown out in just 32 seconds. Two months later, it was announced that Dillashaw tested positive for PEDs, and he was given a two-year suspension from competition. One of the greatest bantamweights in UFC history, Dillashaw combines world-class wrestling with excellent boxing skills, utilizing head movement and footwork to create openings for his strikes while boasting a 65% strike defense and an 86% takedown defense. Will Sanhagen's height and reach advantage prove the difference in this fight? Or will Dillashaw's superior wrestling and striking give him the edge as he eyes a third title reign? Tune in to UFC on ESPN, Sanhagen versus Dillashaw, and let's find out. So what do you think, Jared? He's been away for two years with the PED suspension. Uh, he's answered questions about it. He's been very open and honest about it. He says he's beyond it. He's not worried about it. He just wants to go in there. Incidentally, these two guys are former sparring partners. And um, San Hagen, apparently in sparring, kind of always had the upper hand between these two. Oh, yeah. Who I you got? Believe that. Yeah. San Hagen all day. All day. I would be a little bit nervy, but coming back in your mid-30s after a PED suspension, you weren't that good on drugs. So, no. Oh, and while you were... Those get me fired up, by the way. They got um, it. But what do you call an animal that produces light and milk? A sun cow. I love it. A sun cow. Even if I didn't, <laughs> even if I didn't like Sandhagen, I wouldn't root for Dillashaw. And I do like Sandhagen and don't like Dillashaw. I never really did like Dillashaw. And he was one of those. And I hate this to be my go-to because I know there's a hundred of them and I feel like he's my heel, but Chris Lieben, I really liked this guy, but all of a sudden there was like 
dynamite in his left hand. Like he's getting his ass. Bam. Oh, geez. Happened like four or five. Or you're like, where does that power come from? The needle and the drugs that he's injecting into his veins was the answer. When you took them away, he was a shell and a shadow. And you've seen that happen to a lot of guys. Think about how much harder you'd have to work to get in. You're at 34. (laughs) I'm sorry, TJ. I'm sorry, TJ. You know but what, though, too? Age, you, how about how about though Cody Garbrandt and and what and what that did to Cody's? I mean, Cody's a shell of himself, and I'm sure for years was like, I can't believe this dude beat me, and it's like, well, guess what? <laughs> horrible, horrible. Uh, Chad Dawson and John Pascal. Yeah, these guys come in on drugs. They beat a guy, change his whole. The guy, the guy, uh, Billy Connor died in a car accident. You know this story? Uh, Resto. Resto was the name of the fighter. Panama mm-hmm. was the name of the trainer. And he'd put, uh, it was the old plaster in the, on the wrap. Yes, 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 and yes. yes. this undefeated fighter. He was right. like nine to one underdog or something. And just this guy didn't know how to lose yet. One of those undefeated guys learning how to lose game brain damage messed him up. I mean. This is the type of sport where, like I said, you should get charges for that. People die playing this game, and you were getting an unfair strength advantage by using drugs. You were aware of what was going on. Why? Why isn't this intent some kind of some kind of intent to harm? Um, all of that said, I think about if I was on drugs at twenty-seven. And got to a certain level in a certain game. 29, I was holding on to that level, kind of. And then five years later, without the performance-enhancing drugs, how hard do I have to work to make up that gap? I don't think I can. You were just barely scraping to be at the top of the game when you were on drugs and in your late 20s. Now you're in your mid thirties and not on drugs and you might end up looking like it. Chris Lieben's last few fights, watch him. He's not on that level. He's fighting on a level. He's not on. And that's TJ Dillashaw. This TJ Dillashaw is not at this level of the UFC. And we're going to find out really fast tonight that he's not on this level. He better stay close. He better wrestle. He better run all the way in or all the way out. I I don't see a lot of ways he beats Sandhagen. Yeah, you know it's it's funny you say that. I mean, I feel kind of the same way you do. Where like if I if I even thought he had a chance to win this fight against Sandhagen, I just think Sandhagen is too big, uh, and I think he's too explosive. I. And I like Dillashaw and, and he, again, like I said, you know, you're in, and, and, you know, I mean, I think, you know, how I feel about PEDs. I don't hate him. Yeah, I yeah. really don't. Uh, he fessed right up to it. I mean, he got caught and then he fessed up to it, but you know what I mean? Um, you know, it's, it's part of sports. It's unfortunate. He's back. He's got to try to, and like you said, I mean, he wasn't that great without the steroids. We'll see what he can do now. Um, this is a tough fight for him in a comeback, though. 
You're not, that's what I'm saying. You're fighting at a level that you were barely on five years ago and now fighting the number two guy to see if you're still on that level. This is Tate Nunes in her first fight back. It doesn't make any sense. And you know, I like, I like active fighters. I like guys that are, I mean, since we started doing this show, I think we've done like four Sanhagen fights. Um, yeah. You know, Dillashaw's been on an extended vacation here. And 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 again, I mean, spar all you want. Suspension for performance enhancing drugs, Joe. What did I say? Vacation, <laughs> suspension, vacation, whatever. Whatever it is. Um hey, look, he, championship he, career. He paid his dues, and um his reward is uh, to me, I think the most lethal guy in the bantamweight division right now. <laughs> so you know, uh, 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 Riley just chimed in. He would need a, a three-fight win streak to get to a title shot, and this the streak's not starting tonight. And so you lose to San Hagen, and I mean, you plummet pretty far down to the back of the line. So we'll see what happens. Oh yeah, but uh, it's too bad. I don't, I, I don't, I don't see there. I mean, Delishov's obviously going to try to wrestle. Um, I think putting your your head lower in front of San Hagen's knee, ask Frankie Edgar. That's a horrible idea. Well, and that's it. Can you get close with his um, length? Can you even get close? If, if Dillashaw wins, it's because he smothered him and made it boring. Can he even do that? I don't know. I, don't, I just don't see him winning. Puncher's chance. That's what he's got. Rightly, yeah, thank you. I, I didn't finish True. that thought. That's what I was going to say. I mean, you could spar all you want. You can you could be in the gym as much as you want. I mean, the and again, it's the reason why I knew Connor could not beat Poirier. There, there was just no way. I mean, if that fight was when they were both in their prime, I would have had to break that thing down differently. But a guy not fighting against a guy who's, again, super active, and that's a super active, but has been, again, very similar situation here. Sanhagen has been beating the best of the Bantamweights. Poirier was destroying the best of the lightweights, not Khabib. Um, you you don't want to come, you don't want to face these guys after a long layoff. It, that's that that would be that would be my my last choice. This is not a comeback fight. Yeah. This is that's a Tyson. Mike Tyson shouldn't fight Fury because he wants to make a comeback. Um Sparring and fighting, two different things, uh, just because he did it in sparring. Yeah, I, I, that's true, but it's a small percentage. Listen, the majority of, the vast majority of people I dominated in sparring, I would dominate in fights. And the vast majority of people who dominated me in sparring would dominate me in a fight. You know, you're not in there giving rounds away to people you're better than you're keeping the volume turned down, but the better guy wins the rounds 99 times out of hundred. Yeah. Fair enough. All right. We are going to take one more real quick break throwing jabs sponsored in part by Rocky Hill accountants. And then we'll come on strong and finish it up. Like we always do. Let's say goodbye to all your worries about tax planning, investment troubles, and any confusion when it comes to managing your finances and money. Here at Rocky Hill Accountants, our team has a combined 35 years of experience and will help you do it right. We're dedicated to your needs and will deliver on a result that is professional and trustworthy. 
Our firm is large enough to offer a full range of professional services, but small enough to give you the individual attention that you deserve. Our business portfolio includes thousands of prepared tax returns for individuals, families, partnerships, businesses, and more. The team at Rockdale Accountants are also thoroughly trained in tax laws and procedures. We have the ability to represent taxpayers before the IRS when they arrive at collections, audits, and appeals. This allows us to offer our accuracy and audit guarantee to tax clients. Please visit our website at RockyHillAccountants.com or give us a call at 860-257-4238 to schedule an appointment. All right, Jared, it is time for the flurry. Do your thing. Puncher's chance. Did I totally skip the puncher's chance because I'm an idiot? You see, this is the reason why Jace Garcia is our guy. (laughs) So before we do your flurry, let's do your puncher's chance. Okay, you want to update it to this week's? There's a poochie, though, if you're looking for a fight of the year candidate from two weeks ago. Uh, A poochie's a fight you want to go back and watch. I'm sorry, what is this? This is not the this is the one Mario you sent Barrios? me. Yeah, Barrios, 350. Yeah, he, he fought two weeks ago. No. That is is that not that's the one you sent me. No, it's not. Mm, yep. <laughs> no, it's not. Wait a minute. What the I apologize. Just give me a oh, moment and I <laughs> I can totally do this. Excellent. I can totally nice. do this. Yeah. Because this is a good one. Hey, to be fair, the puncher's chance. I've been nickel and diamond uh thinking, you know, there's there's a, a hundred dollar win for five bucks or this or that. And um and so I think overall we're down ten or fifteen bucks. That Apuchi fight was big. Uh we made the 14 cents I said you would two weeks ago. And then uh we almost hit it with big with Castano. All of that said, here's this week. Uh, Bork and Beach over eight and a half, minus 160. Hamza, this is the one I want to talk about. Shiraz Hamza is my fight of the night. He'll finish it in under two and a half. Um, Garaya is 15 and one, but that one time he was knocked out in the first round by somebody who was a box wreck two. All of his 15 wins are under 0.2. And Hamza is a nine. So this guy's four or five times better than anybody he's ever been in the ring with. And that guy knocked him out in the first round. Take that under two and a half at plus 130. And uh, that last fight should be great too. Usman and Jenkins, minus 165. I'm parlaying them all together. 10 bucks wins you 50. Nice. All right. See, there we go. We got our puncher's chance in. How exciting was that? I was all excited, Jared. I uploaded the wrong thing from two weeks ago. What are you going to do? Jace. All right. Jace, we miss you. See what you're doing to us. All right. Now, why don't we get into um, the flurry? The flurry. Matrix of you. Have you ever played the game telephone, Joe? I have. I love it. You all whisper to each other, and when it gets back, it's something completely different than you thought it was. Um. So I want you to picture a huge game of telephone, right? 100 people. 100 people in you. Right? Now, there's five of them that you can communicate with really clearly like you and I are talking right now. 
and 95 of them have the worst attention deficit disorder and post-traumatic stress disorder type that you have ever seen. They only whisper. You have no direct communication with them. You can only talk to these five who you communicate with really well, and then they turn and whisper to one of the 95. And those 95 are all pre-programmed. They're making just kind of choices that make sense to them, and you don't have a lot of control. You just say to the five who kind of say to the 95. You follow me so far? I'm following. Now, it's easy to figure out why the whispers of the 95 could overwhelm the five. This is your conscious mind and your subconscious mind. Now, you think about addiction where this keeps us safe, this keeps us happy, and the 95 are conditioned. So when the whispers come back to you, they don't sound like when you're sending out. And who takes the shame and the guilt at the end of it? The one. But it was 95 against five against one, and I just got tumbled over. But I take that all on by myself. So this whole theory came to me the other night. Um, Paper Heart is my cousin's new band. I don't know if you saw any of the clips. I did. She's amazing, and she's very pretty. Oh, that's my cousin. Careful. She's (laughs) great. No, I didn't say. I wasn't like, hey, I'm just. She's very pretty. I I don't normally watch. I don't normally watch videos like that. And I was like, oh, Jared's cousin's pretty. I'll watch this. And then, and she's an amazing singer. Oh yeah, beautiful voice. That whole band is is amazingly talented. Paper Heart. If you're in CT and you get a chance, go out and see them. Um, I went out and saw her debut. That was actually the first time they did a show together. And um, I've been sober eight years in June. So when, it wasn't until the next day that I went. I didn't really notice people drinking. I didn't really notice drunkenness. I didn't notice me not having a drink. I wasn't like, damn, I really want to do a shot. None of those things really happened. And it was odd to me because I remember when I first started stop drinking, I couldn't ignore those things. It was it it overwhelmed every other thing I had going on. And that's when I came up with this. Even the whispers are sober. Those subconscious, those other 95, I've been playing telephone with the five long enough, slamming the clipboard up against the table and telling the five, we don't do that anymore. And then catching the whisper and going, hey, do you guys mind reiterating to them that we don't do that anymore? And then bombarded by whispers and keep reiterating to these five I somehow have control over that can understand me. I don't know why the rest don't get it because they're programmed to keep you safe, not to make you happy. So they're doing the things that functionally make you safe. Your subconscious will override that when you let it, when you let those whispers tell you what to do. You will make all of those same mistakes that that your parents made, that you've made in the past, and your kids are going to make them too. Until you learn how to change those whispers and you change them the same way they were made, classic conditioning. 
you condition yourself. You slam the clipboard on the table. I am not that person anymore, and I am not going to react like that. And you think about now that moment you always talk about when things slow down. And I told you for a lot of people, they don't slow down. When you're dealing with trauma, when you listen to the 95 and that's how you govern your life, it doesn't slow down for you. You just react to it. So you catch that pad and you react and you go, what happened? And you turn and you catch a glimpse of that whisperer because it happened so fast. Well, it was like somebody told me to do it. And we grab a hold of those whispers and we start retraining them. But if you're not understanding that game of telephone, that those things you're getting back aren't what you sent out by design, you're programmed like that to steer clear of the bear. And that's what those other 95 are doing. They're just running on well and they're pre-programmed and trying to keep you safe. You repeatedly slam the clipboard. And that thing that was so overwhelming you thought you'd never be able to ignore it, it all of a sudden is gone and it took you two days to recognize that you weren't being bombarded by those traumas or those um, um, temptations. Thoughts. <laughs> Man, there's, I don't know. It's like a little overwhelming in the brain. Does that make sense? I get it. You I know? just told a friend of mine about it earlier and he started uh, breathing heavy, you know, like. It's deep. Those, yeah, those ninety-five are overwhelming him at certain points in his life, you know. And he's and he's and he's feeling. When I said it all gets taken out on the one, he went, "Oh, that's me. That's how I feel. I'm making choices. I really don't feel like I have all the control over, and then I have all the punish resulting crap that comes from it. And retraining that ninety-five, man, it is the hardest thing you will do in your life, especially if you've dealt with that trauma, you know." You heard that whisper and you went, hey, you, what are you doing? You're not going to get me punched again. You go sit in the corner. You guys I can work with, that guy just got me punched. We're not working with him anymore right now. But when that guy's your superhero, when that guy lands and has a cape on and an S on his chest and you've learned to trust him, and you hear that whisper, you do what you're told. Jerry, you're the man. Thank you, brother. Thank you for that. Um, before we wrap this up, quick happy birthday uh, to hey. our writer, our researcher, uh, guy who we we lean on a lot for uh, information. My brother Tony Aguirre. Happy birthday! He's out of town. That's why uh, you had to hear my. Voice. I have been to every gym. Quick shout to Tony. We send messages back and forth doing fights and stuff. Great guy. I have been to every single gym in the state. I've met every head trainer the state of Connecticut has to offer. I know the pros. I know the amateurs. This is one of the greater boxing minds and boxing historians that we have in the state of Connecticut. 
Thank you for your help with the show, Tony. We wouldn't be where we are without you. Oh, I, the kid loves it. And uh, is obviously a big fan of yours. And and uh, really, you know, he's when he started, he was his main goal was do, did I impress Jared this week? <laughs> was all he was gunning for. He's he's done that and more. And you're right. Taking this yeah. show right up to another level. So we appreciate it. Tony, enjoy your trip out to uh I think he's in Arizona, but now I want to say Oklahoma for some reason. Where wherever he is, I hope the weather is nice. Uh, Jace will be back here next week for Jared Jones. I am Joe McGuire. Make sure you follow us. We're on YouTube. We're on Spotify, iTunes, clovercrestmedia.com backslash throwing jabs. Uh, make sure you check us out and we will see you next week right here on throwing jabs. And now Jared's super fire on the way out. Throwing jabs, always full send. Here we go again. Jared, Joe, and Jay's Clover Crest, top three corner man. Punching in with a punch's chance. We find a way to win. The main event, lock it in. Every Saturday at 10, the overhand is out of hand. When it comes to fisticuffs, slide a hand on the undercard. You'll never see the punch. Uppercut, got you missing wave. Feet a step late. Keep your guard up, feeling faint from a faint. Take a stand and eight, then retaliate. Put up your duke, stick and move. Bob and wave, don't lose hope against the ropes. There's always an escape. Never stay down. One more round, bells ringing, counter punch with your chin tucked and go down swinging we bringing crosses with no worship hooks with no verses combinations with no locks when you feel the flurry of curtains from scrub scraps to fight stats relax if you want the facts because the best combat podcast is throwing jabs